following program was recorded live at Faith Fellowship Ministries in Fairbury, Illinois. Hey, if you would, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 13, I'm going to start with verse 1. Part of our sermon this morning is about love. And you already know, or should, if you've been around here much, that uh, when I talk about love, we're not talking about puppy love emotions. We're not talking about like, oh, is he cute? You know, we're talking about this quality decision that a person makes to sacrifice themselves for somebody else. Jesus said, greater love hath no man than this, than he laid down his life for a friend. And so we kind of, in a shorthanded way, say love costs. It'll cost you to love somebody. It'll hurt. If it uh, doesn't cost, if it doesn't hurt, it's not agape. It doesn't mean it's a sin. I have uh, friends who I love, and it's not hard at all. I have, I have it's, but it's probably the phileo love. It's not the agape love. I have friends, family, people that I just can't wait to get around. Uh, Jeff Walden, I just can't wait to get around him because we have so much fun. It's not a chore to be around him. It doesn't cost me at all. I always receive. I always enjoy being around him. Does that make sense? But some people it's hard. Some people it costs. It costs to love him. It costs to help him. It hurts. It's a struggle. Yeah, that's the agape. Does that make sense? So people have kind of romanticized 1 Corinthians chapter 13. People have romanticized it, and they, when they read it, they get warm fuzzies. I don't care that you get warm fuzzies, but it's not about warm fuzzies. Does that make sense? All right. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy to understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, Believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Uh, and that word fail can mean run out. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like sometimes when people think, when they say love never fails, they think I can manipulate you by my love. And it works every time. Now that's twisted. Perverted in fact, even. Polluted it might be a better way to say. Verse 8 again, love never fails, but whether there are prophecies they'll fail. Whether there are tongues, they'll cease. Whether there is knowledge, it'll vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, for now we see in a mirror dimly but then, face to face, there's a day coming when we're going to see Jesus face to face, right? Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. That's a fun sermon all by itself right there. Now look at verse 13. And now abide. 
faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. It's difficult to exactly say the meaning of greatest in this context. Uh, One translation would be farthest surpassing. But the first part of our lesson this morning is about the connectedness of faith and hope and love. They're put together here for a reason. There's a connection between faith and hope and love. And in fact, we'll see that they depend upon one another. So let's go to Hebrews chapter uh, 11. What are we talking about? The connectedness of faith and hope and love. If any of those three is missing, then we're in trouble. Just to be honest. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So I've, in the years past, uh, I've preached on this a fair amount, that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Uh, the word hope is about confident expectation. I know people in the world use the word hope like they might say wish. You know, I wish I'd win the lottery. I'm buying that lottery ticket. I'm buying that lottery ticket every week. I wish I'd win. Or I hope I win. They don't have any real confidence, especially if they know anything about math. Uh, There's a bumper sticker that says, lottery is a tax on people bad at math. (laughs) Your odds of winning the lottery if you buy a ticket is almost the same as if you don't buy a ticket. I mean, it's the, almost in, well, it's not the same, but it's really close. In other words, the odds against you are really big. Bible hope does not, Bible hope is not wish. Bible hope is the confident expectation. So you can ask yourself this, do I have faith? Am I in faith? Everybody has faith, whether they use it or not, it's another question. There's a difference between having faith and being in faith. Like, we have faith. Amen. The Bible says that God has given every person a measure of faith. And it says that the way that you got saved is by the faith that God gave you. That's Ephesians chapter 2. But so, uh, we have faith. But then, we yanked Jason out of the congregation and set him down and prayed for him. And now, we don't just have faith, but we are in faith for Jason's healing. That's a fairly subtle distinction, but it's fairly important. We had faith, we have faith, but now we are in faith together with Him. The Bible says, if two or more agree in my name as touching anything, their request gets, so we're, Jason's in faith. We gave him a big lecture before we even prayed, right? So he's in faith, we know he's in faith, and now we're on his team, our faith is connected and built up with his. So we did, we had faith, now we are in faith, If faith is the substance of things hoped for, then what are we hoping for? Well, we're hoping for the healing of Jason's back, of strengthening. I mean, I don't know know what's the issue with his back. I don't know if there's something that's not lined up correctly or if he's got a muscle or a tendon or a ligament or a car. I mean, I, I don't have to know because God knows. And so my expectation is that healing and strength and wholeness and soundness is coming to his back in Jesus' name because we laid hands on him in faith. And so faith is the substance of things hoped for. 
So if I'm not exercising faith, if I can't tell you what I'm expecting to see. And so if we say, now Bible speak, church lingo, Bible, Bible jargon, if we say, we hope for Jason's healing, that doesn't mean that we are uncertain. Because Bible hope is not the same thing as worldly hope. So if we say, we are, we're hoping for Jason's healing, it doesn't mean that we're not in faith. It just means that we haven't seen it yet, maybe. I mean, it might be, he might be dancing around here in a second. Now, <laughs> I've been around people that if you would have said, our hope is Jason's healing, we're hoping for Jason's healing, then they would have yelled at us. Because they'd say, you're not healed by hope, you're healed by faith. Come on. I don't know if you've been hanging around those folks. Probably not. Well, the way the Bible says, if you don't have hope, if you can't say hope, then you can't say faith. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. There's a connection. And this isn't part of my sermon, but it's worth mentioning. That sometimes when the devil can't steal your faith, he will attack your hope. Well, let me say it this way. Our faith cannot be in action if we don't have hope. What is hope? Expectation. I know you think I look like I'm expecting. Well, I, that was a joke. Come on. <laughs> I really am expecting, but I'm not expecting a baby. Am I? So I talked to my wife, tell me, we're not expecting a baby. But we're expecting lots of things. There's lots of things that we believe God the promise. There's lots of promises that we are in faith about that we haven't seen the manifestation yet. Does that make sense? Yeah. If you don't have hope, then you don't have faith. Or I should say, if you don't have hope, then your faith is not in action. And Jesus, it's really, you see it when Jesus rebukes his disciples. He says, where's your faith? They, their expectation is they're going to drown. And he says, how is it you have no faith? If you don't have hope of God's manifestation, then you're not in faith. Let's go on. Faith and hope are connected. Look here in Romans chapter 8. This will mess with, mess with somebody's theology, I think. You give the Bible permission to mess with your theology? Come on. You got to give the Bible permission to straighten you out. <laughs> I give the Bible permission to straighten me out. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, look here, let's see. Oh, let's start with verse 22. This is Romans 8, 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption of the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. In other words, if I say I'm praying for $100, I'm believing God for $100, boom, Susie jumps up and hands me $100, I'm not in hope anymore because I have it in my hand. I'm not in faith anymore. I have it in my hand. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says, for we were saved, this is verse 24 again, we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait with perseverance. Come on, hope doesn't give up. Right. Yeah. Hope perseveres. Amen. 
Hope hangs in there. Don't let go of your hope. We eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Now, here's the thing I wanted to uh, point out. King James translation, verse 25. Who has King James? Who has, no, who has a King James? Mom, mom, read the beginning of verse 25. But if we hope for that which we see not... Oh, oh I'm sorry, verse 24. What? Saved by hope? Wait, I thought we were saved by faith. We are saved by hope. Saved by hope. Well, I thought we were saved by faith. We are saved by faith. Because hope and faith are connected. If you didn't have any hope in God, if you didn't think God was powerful, if you didn't think His word was true, if you didn't think that He loved you, if you didn't think there was any hope, you never would have prayed. You never would have bowed your knee. You never would have cried out. Hope and faith are connected. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. We all understand that. And our hope is affected by testimonies of people. And so we sometimes have been better than we have been recently about telling people to share their testimony. Because when I share a testimony that says, oh, my lands, God, re- he touched me, he healed me, then that encourages your hope. Right. And uh, he, maybe he loves me, maybe he'd help me. And there's different, the word also, the Bible can build, I mean, the, the, the promises in the Bible and the stories. Come on, you read David and Goliath? That gives you hope. By the same token, people that come around and say, yeah, don't, that don't work. My Aunt Wilma, nobody has an Aunt Wilma. Do you know you have an Aunt Wilma? My, I don't have an Aunt Wilma. Oh, I actually do have a Wilma. <laughs> Neil, Uncle Neil's wife was Wilma, right? She's gone. Yeah, she's, she's gone. <laughs> She'll never know. I preached about Aunt Wilma. Well, my Aunt Wilma, she believed in that healing stuff, and she prayed, and God didn't heal her. Okay, that's an attack on your hope. Yeah. That's an attack on your hope. You've got to pay attention to who you hang out with. You got to pay attention to who you allow to speak into your life. Some people are poison. And it's not because they necessarily want to be poison. They're broken. Sometimes they're demon possessed. The devil speaks out of their mouth. Come on. Hello. Don't tell me the devil's never spoken out of your mouth. Come on. I know I'm in the right crowd. Don't look at me like that. Who are you talking about, Pastor Kim? I never, I never said anything like that. I know he's come out of my mouth. <laughs> and then I said it, and I was like, <gasps> my lands can't. Breaks your heart to think that you'd say something like that. But the devil, he's crafty. Now, real quick, let's look over here in Galatians chapter 5. What's the case we're making? The case that we're making is that faith and hope and love are connected. And if any one of those can be attacked and damage us in our process of being like Jesus and, and having inheriting the promises and such. Faith and hope and love are connected. Okay, we're in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to verse 6. Uh, actually, he's, what he's talking about is doing the law or not doing the law. Keeping the Sabbath or not keeping the Sabbath. Come on, Pastor Kim, that's good preaching. Eating pork or not eating pork. Come on. Circumcision is code for Judaism and keeping the law. That's Bible language, Bible code, Bible jargon. Here we are, Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. Why is that? Because I'm righteous by the blood of Jesus. 
Doing good things does not make me righteous. Uh, changing my diet so that I eat kosher doesn't make me righteous. It doesn't make, it doesn't make any here or there difference. I'm righteous by the blood of Jesus. So in Christ Jesus, circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but what? But faith working through love. I receive the promise of God by faith. Romans chapter 4 is all about that. How does uh, Abraham receive the promise? He receives it by faith. Abraham is not a Jew. Hello? <laughs> Abraham is not a Jew. <laughs> He's, well, let's don't go into that. Abraham is not a Jew, but God makes him a promise, and he receives the promise by faith, and not by his works, and not by his labors. And so circumcision nor uncircumcision doesn't make any difference. We receive the promise by faith, and faith work us through love. Now, let's just think a second. Let's take, like, take these lights here. I don't mean take them literally. <laughs> I mean, as an example, these lights work through electricity. We go out to, there's a pole out there. You could cut the power, cut the electricity, and these lights wouldn't be defective. Perfectly good lights, perfectly great lights, but with no electricity, they're not going to illuminate the room. Does that make sense? Because these lights work by electricity or work through electricity. So if faith works by love, then somebody whose love walk is crummy, what does that look like? Somebody who's selfish. If you're, if you're a selfish pig, that doesn't stop God from answering your prayer. It hinders your faith. The promises that you should be receiving by faith, you're going to have a harder time receiving them because you're not walking in love. And love is like the energy that makes faith work. They're connected. Uh, I consider myself to be a part of the Word of Faith movement, but you know what? There have been a ton of people in the Word of Faith movement who thought faith worked by greed. Oh, I'm going to get a new car. I'm going to get a new Cadillac. I'm going to get an oil well, and I'm going to buy gold and, you know, because that's the human condition. The human condition is broken and, and, and regenerated. And so we all have desires to have more and success and, and security and all that kind of stuff. And that's, that kind of energy does not drive faith. Come on. Look, look, I know people, I know preachers who went out and borrowed the money for a car. And then said, the Lord gave me a car. Ooh, come on. Yeah. You borrowed the money. You're making payments. I mean, maybe the Lord's helping you with the payments, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So just because a couple of knuckleheads, okay, maybe more than a couple, <laughs> knuckleheads got off track doesn't mean that the message of receiving the promise by faith, that's still true. That's Bible. Yeah. It's just Bible. There's all kinds of, if you want to get off track, oh my lands, the stuff you can get off track in here. You can get off track on laws or no laws. You can get off track on end time study or, I mean, there's just, there's just a, no. There's a jillion, as mom would say, bajillion. There's a bajillion ways to get off track, but that doesn't poison the Bible. The Bible's still true. And so just because you know a knucklehead who had it wrong and tried to be greedy and, and they said, oh, I'm getting a new, I'm going to have a new 747, in Jesus' name, 
uh, doesn't mean the Bible doesn't still, the promises are still good. And he will supply all of our needs and he will take care of us. And you know what I'm saying? Just because somebody got wacko doesn't mean the Bible's still wrong. The Bible's still true. That's why we don't look at people. We don't look at people for our confirmation of theology. We believe the Bible because if I never saw anybody ever be healed, I'd believe in healing because the Bible says it. I don't live by what I see. I live by what the Bible says. I never saw Jesus. I wasn't alive 2,000 years ago. He hasn't appeared to me, but I believe in him. Oh, honey, I believe in him more than I believe in you. Okay, way more than I believe in you. I believe in Jesus. So faith and love are connected. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8. We saw that hope is connected to faith. You're not in faith if you're not in hope, if you don't have any hope. This is 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. I know you think I'm going to preach about the rapture, but I'm not. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. But let us who are of the day, that means we walk in the light, that Jesus said the entrance of my word brings light. But let us who are of the day be sober. Be serious. Come on. Pay attention. This is serious business. Wednesday night we talked about gird up the loins of your mind. This is serious business. If you're not paying attention, you won't get this. Okay. Uh, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. Faith and love are, what's a breastplate is armor. A breastplate is armor that protects my heart. So faith and love are armor that protect my heart. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the what? Hope of salvation. Hope is expectation. Hope is a helmet. What does that helmet protect? Your noggin, your brain. We could say your soul. Your brain, your psyche, your psychology is protected by hope of salvation, which is another case about why salvation continues. See, I'm not giving up. I'm like hanging in there. I was saved in 1968. I was saved, but the salvation continues. And I continue to expect God to save me, to rescue me. There's hope. Let me tell you what, you will go crazy if you think there's no hope of rescue. You will get depressed. Come on, Christians have taken their own life because the devil convinced them that God wouldn't save them, that God wouldn't rescue them. Hope of salvation will keep you from going bananas. Somebody needs to hear that. I know the Bible says it. I believe it, but I just don't think he'll do it for me. It's your hope that's been attacked. Come on. Read the word. Let the word tell you that God is no respecter of persons. Come on. Let the word tell you that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on. Listen to what Jesus said. The same things that you've seen me do, you'll do. That'll put hope back in you. Come on. That'll put hope back in Get around some people who speak about faith and hope. You know what? I was, this last week, I was, uh, Thursday and Friday, I was in meetings down in Champaign, and, and uh, Joel Sims was there. Wow. Just amazing. Just Wonderful. And, and Joel said something. Joel said, you are the sum total of your five closest friends. And he first said that, I thought, nah, come on. But the more he said it, and the more I thought about it, look, who are my five closest friends? Where are they going? And how do they speak in my life? He said, what Joel said, in almost any way that you measure, in terms of economy, 
lifestyle, your five closest friends, like, who was it? Was it Manny's uh, dad that said, show me who your friends are, I'll show you who you are. How many times has the mom said, he's not a bad kid, but he got in with bad friends. You need to be careful who your friends are. Now, we live in the world, and we're called to be the light of the world, but you don't have any business letting wrong people speak into your life. If your five closest friends are going down, you need to find new friends and fast. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So faith is connected to love. Faith is connected to hope. These are all connected together. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll start with verse 2. <laughs> I know. This is a little bit theoretical. This is a little bit uh, philosophical. This is a little bit theological. I know, I know. Don't worry. I'm getting ready to get it more practical here. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God of our Lord Jesus, of, and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given unto us, given to us, exceedingly great and precious promises. God has given you a promise. You! Peter says us. God has given us promises, and those promises are exceedingly great and precious. Exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Now, you may have thought that we retired giant Jesus. <laughs> Here's giant Jesus. This is, we got him on Amazon. This is not really Jesus. I know the Bible doesn't say make, any, make no graven image. I know this is not really Jesus. It's a picture of a guy. But what giant Jesus does is remind us of what our target is. Our target, Ephesians says, till we come to the measure of the stature of uh, a little bit like Jesus. No, no, no. Measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. If you're going to be like Jesus... If you're going to be transformed, it takes these great and precious promises. By which, is verse 4 again, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. So divine nature means Jesus is loving, I'm loving. Jesus is patient and kind, I'm patient and kind. Huh? Jesus uh, walks in obedience to his father, Kim. Kim walks in obedience to his heavenly father, even if once in a while he doesn't do what daddy says. <laughs> because my dad's here. All right. <clears throat> okay. Uh, partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. So for, in order for us to escape the corruption that's in the world, to accomplish that escape and be transformed to the image, then it takes great and precious promises. How do we receive great and precious promises? In other words, if I'm going to walk in love the way Jesus walked in love, it takes great and precious promises. This is good stuff. You may want to go back over these notes because this is a good lesson. Hebrews chapter 6 Verse 11, and we desire, we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish. That's like lazy. Don't be a slug. 
Don't be a bump on a log. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So what do we have? We have exceedingly great and precious promises. And if we partake of those exceedingly great and precious promises, then we'll be partakers of the divine nature and we'll escape all the yucky, moron stuff that's in the world if by those promises. Okay, now, we're get, fixing to get practical. I could tell you about hydraulic systems and the nature of fluid dynamics. I could tell you about the importance of of uh, having a sealed system and no gas in your system if you expect to get a mechanical advantage by fluid dynamics. And sometimes it's really important to know that, but the bottom line is which brake, which, which pedal in the car makes it stop, right? Yeah. You know, they, if you, you know uh, fluids are not compressible, but gases are. So if you have air in your brake line, you don't have good brakes. You know, if there's a, a leak in your system, if you've got a brake line that leaks, you don't have good brakes. It won't build a pressure. So what this morning we've been talking about, a little bit of the hydrodynamics of faith. We've been talking about the theory of how faith and hope and love work, but now I want to just talk to you about how do you put your foot on that pedal. What did I, I wrote something on here. This was fairly clever, I thought. Pushing the love pedal. Ha! Because you got a gas pedal. Anybody knows what the gas pedal is? I know where the gas pedal is, and you know where the brake pedal is, and if you got a five-speed, you, know you know the clutch pedal. So how do you push the love pedal? Pushing the love pedal involves faith and hope and love. And here's, so here's what we see. Take a cute little girl gets married. She marries a strong, handsome, smart, genius guy. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I did not deserve that. <laughs> but it's not a bad, really. Yeah, her name is Jenny. So she marries the strong, handsome, smart guy. And he tells her how cute she is and how wonderful she is. And she expects him to meet all of her needs. Even though she's got, she's born again. She's got, she's got Bible promises. But she expects him to bring home the paycheck. Huh? She expects him to make her feel significant. Hello? Anybody, anybody think, who could I be talking about? Anybody in here know anybody that, yeah, I know this is not applied to you, but it'll help you help somebody else. So she, she marries this guy, and they go to church, and they have a family but he drops the ball. You know, you need, the bigger your family grows, the more income that you need. And so it's, uh, there's a promotion coming up. And, he, and so her husband goofs up at work. And instead of getting the promotion, he gets his hours cut. He's not even full-time anymore. What is the matter with you? How can you do this to us? Well, wait. Who's the one, who's the one who gave great and precious promises? Who's the one that says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus? Come on. If you're washed in the blood, 
then you're supposed to be standing on the word, receiving those great and precious promises, and you will not love your husband. You'll be angry at him, and you'll resent him for not measuring up who you think he's supposed to be because the Bible says he's supposed to do this. And he's, come on, hello, am I in the right house? I'm talking about pushing that pedal. We talked about the theory that faith and hope and love are connected, but you cannot have faith in God without hope in God. And you can't walk in love toward your husband if you don't have faith in the promise of God or you're the husband. And you expect your wife to... Uh, you, you go every work every day. You go to work and you work with crazy people who are insane. And they, all they do is tear you down. You know. And you come home and really all you want is a wife to have your pipe and slip. Oh, wait, 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 wait. That's not. <laughs> is that Father Knows Best or My Three Sons? Yeah. Well, My Three Sons, was, he wasn't married. But anyway. You know, you think, okay, I can't wait to get home. And I know that she'll... She'll give me a big hug, but you walk in, she goes, where have you been? <laughs> it's really easy for the husband to start resenting the wife because he expected her to meet his needs. Come on, it doesn't matter if you're the husband. It doesn't matter if you're the wife. It doesn't matter if you're the child. And you're mad because your parents didn't do this for you or your parents never gave you that or your parents never trained you this way. Come on, today you are a believer. And God has given you great and precious promises. You go to Him. Don't try to wring them out of your friends and out of your family and out of people at work. The people that, those lousy, crazy people at work, they're the ones you're supposed to reach. You're supposed to love them. Have faith in God. Your husband, your wife, you're supposed to love them. Have faith in God. Don't think that your husband is going to meet all your needs. Your wife is going to meet all your needs. They can't. God's not finished with them yet. Too many Christian homes, too many Christian families, too many churches are falling apart and breaking apart. Good people. Because they don't know to trust God in the place to trust God. And love people in his name. They're trying to wring everything out of them. Well, he never tells me I'm pretty. She always spends all my money. Well, who's the one? Come on, I, 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 I'm not just making fun of people. I know, I'm not just making joking at people. I know marriages that have broken up over this. Good people. If your wife has got a problem, you trust God. He'll take care of you. If your husband has got a problem, you trust God. He'll take care of you. God is your healer, not your husband. God is the one that gave you great and precious promises. You trust God. Don't try to wring the promises that God gave you out of everybody. That church, that church, they don't love people. They don't help people. I went, to, you know what I'm saying? Hey, there's no church that's perfect. But if God gave you a promise to take care of you and to help you and provide for you and give you wisdom, it may not be your church that gives it. Hello? He might have sent you there to help them. The church people are the people that you love and reach out to and support. Am I screaming? I am! It breaks my... 
breaks my heart because I know people that I love. And they just, their lives melt down and they're destroyed. Pastors who've destroyed their own churches trying to wring stuff out of the people, wring success. Come on, do you know how many preachers, they look for affirmation from the church people? Oh, the church people make me feel good about myself. That is a recipe for disaster. The church people are not here to meet your needs. You're here to meet the needs of the church people. You got a God who made you promises. We can take all the verses about faith, hope, love. They're excellent. They're worth studying. But when it comes down to where the rubber meets the road, when it comes down to pushing the pedal of love, do you know how to go to the Bible and say, God will take care of me, even if my husband doesn't appreciate me, even if my wife thinks I am a jerk? Come on. God will help me. He'll strengthen me. He'll, I, I go to the Lord. I get in His presence. Come on, I've been broken before. I, I don't live in a different planet than you. People hurt me, say mean things to me, let me down, st stick knives in my back. Oh, yeah. But I, I'm doing my best to love them. And I go to God, and I get in His presence. And I worship Him, and He heals me. You may think that you want revenge. You don't. What you want is the presence of God. What you want is, is the heart of God poured out into your life. He promised you that he'd help you. He promised you that he'd take care of you. He promised that he'd be there for you no matter what. If you want to destroy your life, destroy your family, destroy your church, destroy whatever institution you're, you want to name, if you want to just, just go and try to get all those people to do all the things that God promised he would do for you. Is that practical enough? Do you get it? What's it going to be like at your house? Hey, I'm not talking to you about something that I've not been through. I've been in places where I thought my wife ought to do things differently. And honestly, I was right. There were things that she wasn't really do, handling right. And so I tried being mean. I tried being grouchy. I tried being manipulative. Come on, it's a wonder if she, it's a wonder she hang in there, you know. And she was really, there were some things that she was really not handling right. And I tried to get her to do it right. And finally I said, okay, God, you're the one who told me to marry her. And he did. I said, you told me to marry her. You're going to have to take care of me. And he's like, well, it's about time. Where have you been? And he met me there. And it's amazing how much my, you know, better my marriage got when I turned to the Lord and started expecting him to, her, you know, my wife's not going to meet all my needs. She's a great, come on, my wife's awesome. I got to be careful what I say about my wife in front of my mom because she'd give me a spanking yet. And she loves, the truth is my family loves her more than they love me. Isn't that right? <laughs> my sisters would firebomb my house if I did anything to hurt my wife. This is where the rubber meets the road. We can talk about all that stuff as theory. But in the truth, when it comes, when you go home today, if you go home today, I don't know where you're going, will you trust the Lord? And if you will, all of a sudden, you're walking in love. And you're 
like Jesus, like the disciples feeding the 5,000? Can you imagine, can you imagine the disciples? They're like, this is Kim's, this is Kim's fiction. You got that right. This is not in the Bible. Here are the disciples. These lousy people, why don't they go home? What do they think? It's almost dark. Who's going to feed them? Don't they have kids? Don't they have livestock to feed? What's, what does it matter with these crazy people to blame the people? And Jesus comes and saying, you, hey, you guys feed them. What? Feed them? Sure. So he did a miracle and put the stuff in their hands that enabled them to minister to all these people when they could have been just grouchy at the people for not going home. Does that make sense? That can be the same thing at your house. Why won't these people, why won't they do the right thing? Why won't my kids, why don't my kids act right? Why don't my parents get a sick brain? Come on. You're never going to be like Jesus if you're trying to force everything on everybody else. What you got to do is go to Him. Go to Him and you'll find that faith works by love. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this message. Faith Fellowship Ministries is located at 801 North 1st Street in Fairbury, Illinois. We invite you to join us for services Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evening at 7 p.m.